I'm Jeanette Crow. I was baptized at Bethel in December, on December 6, 1999, by the previous pastor, Sarah Reyes, and I was her first baptism. Um, prior to that, I was 47 years unchurched. Um, I am, I've been involved with Bethel's financial situations through the their re its redevelopment and transformation from 1999 to the present. Um, the reason I chose Bethel was because the church allowed me to develop my personal relationship with God at my own pace. And that's really important to me. So actually the Lenten season is my favorite season. Um, uh, the Lenten, this but this Lenten season had made the most, had made the most impact on me. Um, I always look forward to Lent because I intentionally reflect on how God has had been working in my life. Um, I access the good things and the hard, bad things. From the good things, um, I'm, I thank God and I am very thankful. Um, the bad things, I try to re reflect on what God was trying to teach me and if there was a lesson, did I learn it? Um, but this Lenten season, I think because of the pandemic, being isolated, being immersed with social media, um, watching too much television media, I realized that I had been constantly reflecting on what was happening around me, what was affecting me mentally, and having lots of questions concerning my spiritual life even before Lent started. Bethel's Lent theme of being human had me exploring deeper into the scriptures and identify how current events were affecting me personally, especially at, my, at this time of my life. Um, I was born and raised in San Francisco. Although racism always existed, I did not feel the type of hatred that, that is happening now. I've never felt fearful because I was Asian, uh, but because current Asian attacks have been towards my age group and my gender, I've become very fearful. The escalations of these attacks um, are astounding and very disturbing. It has brought, to, brought me to pray more and try to seek more answers to questions of what can be done, what needs to be in, and what can I do? Um, I attended the Good Friday service where our pastors were invited to participate in the service that was organized by other Black Presbyterian churches and on the last seven words of Christ and exploring the theme, Jesus as strange fruit. It was a very powerful two and a half hour service. Many of the sermons compared problems we are currently dealing with and what was happening to Jesus on Good Friday. There are many parallels of Jesus' crucifixion to the death of George Floyd. There was one statement that night that I cannot forget. It was, Jesus Christ was the strange fruit hanging on the tree 
while George Floyd was a strange fruit lying under a knee. I got very emotional about that statement. Also, Pastor Erna's sermon was amazing and her reference to anti-Asian attacks made me think how horrible the suffering that Jesus went through on his last night. I have to say that this was the best Good Friday service I have attended. It left me on a dynamic high, but then it brought me down to a very solemn state of mind on Saturday. I had gotten an email regarding a Holy Saturday reflection by Barbara Brown Taylor. It was called Learning to Wait in the Dark. I felt it was God guiding me to reflect on this final part of the Lenten season. This is the dark time of Jesus laying in the tomb before his resurrection. As Barbara Brown Taylor stated, Resurrection is always announced with Easter lilies, um, the sound of trumpets, bright streaming lights. But it did not happen that way. Whatever happened to Jesus between Saturday and Sunday, it happened in the dark. Only Jesus knows. I was compelled to dwell on this. I really felt that there was a Saturday void from Good Friday to Easter Sunday. Not many churches hold Holy Saturday services, nor many people are aware of Holy Saturday. The majority of us see Saturday before Easter as running around shopping for, you know, preparation of Easter dinners, dyeing eggs for Easter hunts, shopping for your Easter best, etc. But it's in the dark that the that this is the reconciliation to God, the freedom from sin by all that believed in him and the re restoration of grace that happened. It is considered the most blessed of all nights. So this year, I was compelled to sit with this remembrance that there was a need for this time of the quiet, empty waiting in the dark for him. I feel this is where I encountered Jesus in solidarity. So Easter is here. He is risen indeed. Easter means renewal to me. Because of his sacrifice, I get to start anew, working on being a better person and living with him in me. Thank you. Thank you so much for that, Jonelle. We're just grateful for you and for your faithfulness in the Bethel community for over 20 years now. 20 years? I'm bad at math. No, no, over 20 years. <laughs> um, so and thank you for that honest and uh, just insightful testimony. Um, I'm just, yeah, I just feel super grateful for the ways that we are a community and that we communally get to experience resurrection and um, God's work in our life. And I want to invite Anne Cabello to be our next and final <laughs> testimony giver. Um, it's been great to have you as part of our church these last, well, I'll let you introduce yourself <laughs> and share about how you got connected to our church, but let us welcome Anne.
Hello, my name's Ann Cabello. Um, I was trying to remember when we started coming to Bethel. I think it was probably sometime last summer. Um, my daughter introduced us to Randy Miller's podcast series, um, Reclaiming My Theology. And through one of Brandy's um, episodes, Michael was on it. And so we got connected with church and we were looking for something. And obviously at the time we didn't think, you know, it was gonna be long-term because COVID was completely up in the air, but um, we have just really, really loved this. And it's been so refreshing. Um, <clears throat> between church, um, those of you that I've been able to get to know, even though just on the screen, um, the podcasts, our own daughters, I feel like um, this reflection that I'm going to talk about has been more um, how I've been challenged this whole year. Um, so having Lent and the Easter season be focused on Jesus' humanity was really um, a blessing to me. And it kind of fit really well with um, a lot of things that I've been reading and hearing and talking about with friends. Um, I tend to approach a lot of things with my head and that worked well in my Western education school experience. I really loved being a student. I love school, um, but I tend to take the approach of analyzing and logic um, when looking at scripture, thinking about Jesus, even relating with people that are close to me. And I'm just realizing during this season that that doesn't always work. Um, it's really, there's really a part of me that's been split. And um, I've been really learning a lot through this community, more about Jesus's body and my body and feelings and that my head is not the only way um, to grow and to approach things. So the other thing that I've been realizing is just my binary thinking. Um, I grew up in Monterey and my family is very black and white in their thinking. There's a lot of good, bad, um, right, wrong, uh, you know, some blaming, things like that that went on. So I really latched on to the good girl identity and I grew up being a rule follower basically do what my parents say, um, do well in school, you know, just kind of that overachieving perfectionist. Um, so then I go to college and there I become a Christian and I kind of apply all those values to uh, my relationship with Jesus and to my walk. Um, you know, avoid the party crowd, uh, read Christian books, only listen to Christian music, um, all those outward signs of being good still. Um, and I just, I craved approval and that was how I would get it is just being good. Um, so coming now, fast forwarding 30 years post-college graduation, um, COVID hits and two of our daughters that had moved out came home. <clears throat> so being in close contact with them and having conversations, I really got challenged on what do I believe? You know, we talked about things, how do science and God, um, you know, do can they coexist? Um, how inerrant do I think the scriptures are? 
um, abortion, just the gamut, tons of things that we talked about. And it's really caused me to rethink as well as, you know, listening to the podcast weekly and then meeting weekly with our different groups through church um, has really been amazing. And it's really been a challenge. Um, I just wanted to read a couple of verses that we went over on our prayer group <clears throat> on Tuesday. And it's from Matthew 28, eight and nine. Um, the two people that are, the two main characters here are Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they say. And they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Now, the biggest thing that stood out to me initially was they felt great joy and fear. And um, that just, just boggles my mind just to think that you can have such extreme emotions at once. And that's also been something that I've been learning this year that my body and my mind can hold just a variety of truths, thoughts, feelings all at once, rather it just being one or the other, which is um, you know, more of how I was raised. Um, <clears throat> I also, in talking to my daughters, it's just made me think of there's more to my walk in my relationship with the Lord than just these outward signs, these behaviors. Um, and when we, when I stamp and label books or music or anything as Christian or non-Christian and then avoid them because of that, it just, it feels like I'm creating a rigid framework, like a rigid skeleton of God and that's my creation. And I just really started feeling like that that's like an idol. Like I'm creating him in my image. I'm creating an idol. And then I'm trying to impose it on others. And that's really very judgmental. And so um, I've really tried to be more open and try to catch myself when I'm doing that. I don't want to reduce God to wood or gold or anything in my image and then try to impose it on others. Um, <clears throat> a man by the name of Don Miguel Ruiz wrote a book, well, he's written several, but called The Four Agreements. And I'm pretty sure it was out in the late 90s. And back then I wouldn't have read it because he's not a Christian, but I have read it now and I'm so glad that I did. So I wanted to read a quote from that. <clears throat> He talks about um, kind of an inner book of law and an inner judge. And these are based on beliefs that we have formed um, in our formative years from the adults that have been around us, the adults that influenced us. So it doesn't mean that they're correct, but they're beliefs that we have formed. So he says, the inner judge uses what is in our book of law, which is our belief system, our own truth, to judge everything we do and don't do everything we think and don't think, everything we feel and don't feel. And so I've just started to come to realize that I don't want that judge in my head anymore. Um, I don't want to be trying to seek others approval. Um, I'm trying to learn to pay attention to this and realizing that I don't even allow myself to feel certain feelings sometimes when they 
pass through that really um, tight filter of the judge or my shoulds or should nots. Um, <clears throat> so I finally wanted to talk about just that second part of the verse that I read from scripture about the Marys meeting Jesus and greeting him. And I just love that picture of them just grabbing his feet. And in order for them to grab his feet, they have to be like prostrate on the ground. Like they have to have their stomachs on the ground. I'm picturing their elbows in the gravelly dirt um, as they grab on and hold him and worship him. And being at his feet was a familiar place for each of them. <clears throat> they knew his feet well. And it made me wonder how, how did his feet change? Like, did they look different post-resurrection? Um, but anyway, they spent time there anointing them with costly perfumes, washing them with water, probably lots of times with tears, drying them with their hair, sitting at them, listening. And I realized those are the things that I want to focus on. I want to focus on elbows in the dirt. I want to focus on grabbing Jesus's feet. Um, I want to spend time with people like my therapists or my pastors or even you all um, who talk about feelings in our bodies and Jesus's humanity. Um, in one of our groups, Pastor Erin shared about walking in a field and she described this line and I, it's a really thin line. I pictured it kind of like a balance beam, you know, just wide enough for our feet to walk on. And we're walking heel toe, heel toe. But she says, you look up and there's this whole field. There's this whole beautiful field around us. And yet we're just walking on this, you know, tiny thin line. And, um, and that's what I want. I want I want to experience God as, as the, just that whole big field um, and not miss it. He's in a lot more things than, than I realize. Um, and I'm just hoping that as I get to know myself more fully and know him more fully in all of me, not just my mind, but in my body, in other people's bodies, in his body, um, that I will be able to love him more fully in learning that love myself more fully and then love others around me more fully in more authentic ways. So I appreciate all of you um, who helped me grow and I thank you for allowing me to share today. <laughs>